Now, tonight we'll start in 3 Nephi, chapter 20, verse 11, as we go over Christ and the fulfillment of the words and prophecies of Isaiah. Ye remember that I spake unto you and said that when the words of Isaiah should be fulfilled, behold, they are written. <coughs> Ye have them before you, therefore search them. And verily I say unto you that when they shall be fulfilled, then is the fulfilling of the covenant which the Father hath made unto his people, O house of Israel. So, Christ presents a, a question, really. What are those events which represent the fulfilling of the words of Isaiah that the work of the Father and the covenant that the Father <coughs> hath made unto his people shall begin be fulfilled. And the, the events that Christ is here referring to, as we will see, um, will be borne out, is the beginning and execution of the end-time exodus by the Lord's end-time servant and the establishment of New Jerusalem, which also marks the beginning and the continuation of the gathering out of Israel from the four corners of the earth. Verse 13, And then shall the remnants which shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth be gathered, <coughs> in from the east and from the west, and from the south and from the north, and they shall be brought to the knowledge of the Lord their God, <clears throat> who hath redeemed them. Once New Jerusalem has been established, there will be men who have been ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, who will be sent out to the four corners of the earth to finish the gathering of Israel. And to assist the Jews in building up old Jerusalem again into a holy city, as it was in the days of Melchizedek. And to bring Israel both to the places of Jerusalem and New Jerusalem. And the Father hath commanded me that I should give unto you this land for your inheritance. And I say unto you, that if the Gentiles, now the, gen, the term Gentiles is used in a couple of different ways in the Book of Mormon. It begins in 1 Nephi um, chapter, you know, in his vision of all things, and that vision begins in 1 Nephi chapter 11. And the term Gentiles is refers to scattered uh Ephraim in Europe, America is discovered. It then refers to the people of North America. Um, and when it's talking about a Gentile nation, it's talking about the people of North America for the most part. Then we, in Nephi's vision of all things, have the restoration of the gospel then from that point, the term Gentiles is almost always used 
to refer to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when it's talking about a Gentile nation, North America, and in this instance, um, we're talking about the Gentile nation. And I say unto you that if the Gentiles do not repent after the blessing which they shall receive after they have scattered my people. It was the Gentile nation that scattered the Lamanites or the remnant of the Lamanites. Then shall ye who are a remnant of the house of Jacob go forth among them and ye shall be in the midst of them who shall be many. And ye shall be among them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, and as a young lion among the flocks of the sheep, who if he goeth through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. And the hand, thy hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And I will gather my people together as a man gathereth his sheaves into the floor, for I will make my people with whom the Father have covenanted, yea, I will make thy horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth, and behold, I am he who doeth it. Now, not only does Christ quote Isaiah, but here Christ is quoting Micah. And if we go to Micah, Chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Now also many nations are gathered against thee <coughs> that say, let her be defiled and let our eyes look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand them. As the sheaves, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughters of Zion. For I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people. And I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. And then in Micah chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest as a young lion among the flocks of sheep who if he goeth through both treadeth down and teareth in pieces and none can deliver thine hand shall be lifted up on thine adversaries and all thine <coughs> enemies shall be cut off and verse 15 and I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. So the Lamanites being part of the remnant of Jacob are included uh, among these people. And this has direct reference that on the Exodus, uh, even though the arm of flesh tell, shall turn against those people. Uh, they will be made mighty. And he who leads them, the end time servant, will be endowed with power from on high. He will have been ordained and sealed unto 
the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, which has the power, as we read in JST Genesis 14. Verse 30, for God having sworn unto Enoch and unto his seed with an oath by himself, that everyone being ordained after this order and calling should have power by faith to break mountains, to divide the seas, to dry up waters, to turn them out of their course, to put at defiance the armies of nations, to divide the earth, to break every band, to stand in the presence of God, to do all things according to his will, according to his command, subdue principalities and powers, and this by the will of the Son of God, which was from before the foundation of the world. And inasmuch as those who are on the end time exodus hearken unto the counsel of the Lord through the Lord's end time servant, they will be endowed with power on on high to accomplish the work of gathering Israel and none shall stay the Lord's hand in this day. Verse 16 in 3 Nephi 20. Then shall ye who are a remnant of the house of Jacob go forth among them and ye shall be in the midst of them who shall be many and ye shall be among them as a lion <coughs> among the beasts of the forest and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he goeth through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thy hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And I will gather my people together as a man gathereth his sheaves into the floor. For I will make my people with whom the Father hath covenanted. Yea, I will make thy horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass. Now the iron horn is both a weapon of offense and defense and the brass hoofs are given for the separating of the wheat and the chaff and thou shalt beat in pieces many people and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord for the whole earth, and behold, I am he who doeth it. And it shall come to pass, saith the Father, that the sword of my justice shall hang over them at that day. At that day, meaning the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the beginning of the day of judgment, which shall bring all people into bondage. And the saints of God shall cry out night and day for deliverance. And the Lord's end time servant shows up on the eve of destruction to deliver the Lord's people and lead them on an end time exodus. And at the beginning of that end time exodus, the fullness of the gospel begins to be taken. Um, not only will it have gone forth to the Gentiles or those who have the scriptures of the restoration, but then to all of the earth who qualify for deliverance from destruction. Verse 20, and it shall come to pass, saith the Father, the sword of my justice shall hang over them <coughs> at that day, and except they repent, it shall fall upon them, saith the Father, yea, even upon all the nations of the Gentiles. So in this instance, we expand again uh, the meaning of the term Gentiles to that definition, which is originally given in Nephi's 
vision of the end of the beginning, and that is the scattered remnants of Joseph among all nations. And it shall come to pass that I will establish my people, O house of Israel, and behold, this people will I establish in this land unto the fulfilling of the covenants which I have made with your fathers Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem. And the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of the people, yea, even I will be in the midst of you. Now let's do some cross-referencing. How does New Jerusalem get established? If we go to DNC 101. The fullness of the times of the Gentiles is established with verse 55 in DNC 101. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, go and gather together the residue of my servants. And take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle aged also among all my servants, who are the strength of mine house, save only, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. And go ye straightway into the land of my vineyard, and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway into my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their towers, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. So it's revealed in DNC 103 that this servant in verse 55 is Joseph Smith Jr. Not in his first ministry, but in his second ministry. And in the return of Joseph Smith, the heavens are again opened. Um, in a way that they haven't been opened since the days of Joseph Smith's first ministry. And this is the time of the fullness of the Gentiles. For as we read in DNC 110, because we rejected the fullness under Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple, Elias appears to Joseph and restores the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham or the preparatory gospel. You can see one twin verse 12. After this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. Now what the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham is not, is the dispensation of the fullness of times or the fullness of the, of the days or times of the Gentiles. Now, the strength of the Lord's house are gathered out <coughs> so that DNC 103, verse 15, Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. So implicit in the redemption of Zion is the concept that Zion was established. And it was established during the days of Joseph. Um, do you have to redeem something that hasn't fallen or been ransomed? No. Zion fell and it is redeemed when Joseph Smith returns and gathers again the strength of the Lord's house in preparation for the end time exodus. 
Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be let out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you as I said unto your fathers, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. Well, who are these fathers that the Lord is talking about? Um, these fathers are the children of Israel under Moses. And on the end time exodus, there was one among them, Moses, who had been ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, had the power to command the elements. And he is the angel who is being referred to. But because the children of Israel would not enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, therefore receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, they refuse to become God's people, his sons and his daughters. Therefore, they could not enter into his rest. If we go to DNC 84. Verse 23, now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. Well, what did Moses diligently teach his people that they might be sanctified in preparation to behold the face of God? Well, it was the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the sanctification of which prepares a man, a woman, or a people to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Verse 24, but they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So beholding the face of God in verse 23 isn't just to see him in vision, and it's not even to have Christ come down and minister on this earth as the 12 apostles experienced after Christ's resurrection or as the Nephites experienced in 3 Nephi chapter 11. But it's to actually, like Moses, have an ascension experience and go to the high mountain, not the earthly mountain, but the heavenly mountain where Christ dwells in the fullness of his glory. And this was the opportunity and the privilege of the children of Israel under Moses, and even is it to God's people in any every generation, if they will. But the children of Israel would not. And the early saints under Joseph would not. Therefore, in verse 25, he took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also, or the Melchizedek priesthood. And the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood holdeth the key of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel. Well, this preparatory gospel is also the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham that was restored to Joseph in the Kirtland Temple by Elias, who was probably Abraham in that instance. Now, going back to DNC 103. So, the reason that in DNC 103, verse 20, it says, My presence 
or in verse 19, the presence of the Lord was not with the children of Israel. We just read in DNC 84 that Moses sought diligently to sanctify his people. Moses being the angel mentioned here in verse 19. <clears throat> through the new covenant that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. Uh, entering into the rest of the Lord is what is being referred to as the presence of the Lord going up before them. Notice in verse 20, the reversal and the higher requirement for this end time exodus, which is coming. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you. Now, note that in verse 20, it says angels. And in verse 19, it says angel. And that's because in verse 20, not only <coughs> does Joseph Smith go with the uh, saints on the end time exodus, and he's been ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood. Um, so is included among that term of angels, but also the 144,000. If we go to DNC 107 or DNC 77, verse 11, what are we to understand by the sealing of the 144,000? Out of all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 out of every tribe. Answer, we're to understand that those who are sealed are high priests, ordained unto the holy order of God. Now, a high priest in the holy order of God, as discussed in Alma 13, is not the high priest that we have in the LDS Church today. But it is a high priest in the patriarchal order of Melchizedek Priesthood, the second order of Melchizedek Priesthood, which power we read about in JST Genesis 14. And those who begin their ministry in the, as part of the 144,000 will be working with those on the end time exodus who have ascended to the level of elect to help them, which is having received the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. That which prepares a man, a woman, or a people to enter into the rest of the Lord. The 144,000 will be working with those individuals to help them make the next uh, spiritual level of ascension come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory in the seventh heaven or the high mountain, and therefore become a member of the church of the firstborn, which is the requirement to enter into New Jerusalem. Ordained unto the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel, for they are they who are ordained out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels, to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. Now, not all of those who eventually become members of the 144,000 begin their mission at the commencement of the end time exodus but there will be some who will. And thus, not only will Joseph Smith be among the people, but the 144,000 will also, except they will be incognito. And thus, angels will be with 
the people on this end time exodus because they qualify to receive that aid and help to help them ascend into the presence of Christ in the fullness of his glory. Back in DNC 103 verse 20. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. Christ's presence going before the people means that the people on the Exodus will be ascending into his presence in the fullness of his glory. And in time you shall possess the goodly land. Well, that goodly land is the establishment of New Jerusalem. And verse 21, verily, verily, I send to you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to my liken the servant to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I give unto you. Therefore, let my servant Joseph Smith Jr. send to the strength of my house, my young men and the middle aged, gather yourselves together unto the land of Zion, upon the land which I have bought with money that has been consecrated unto me. So Zion is established uh, at the commencement of the end time exodus. And it culminates with meeting up with Enoch, the return of his city, and establishing New Jerusalem, as is outlined in Genesis, JST Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 21. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made with thy father Enoch, that when men should keep all my commandments. Now, how is it possible that men could keep all of God's commandments after they receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, if they endure to the end or hearken to the voice of the Spirit, take the Holy Spirit as their guide. Therefore, they find the truth and are not deceived. Feasting upon the words of Christ after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is the keeping of all of God's commandments. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It does mean that you are living by revelation and therefore can be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the Lord. That when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come on the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. And this is mine everlasting covenant, that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward. Well, this prophecy of the posterity of Enoch and of Noah embracing the truth is the prophecy that in our generation, the end time servant will return and will open again the heavens. And it will again be possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord. And as this happens on the end time exodus, we will be looking forward to the establishment of New Jerusalem by meeting up with Enoch and the return of his city. That when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy, and the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven, and possess the earth, and shall have place until the time, until the end come. And this is mine everlasting covenant which I made with thy father Enoch. Back to Third Nephi chapter 20. Verse 22, and behold, this people will I establish in this land unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made with your father Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem. 
and the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people. Yea, even I will be in the midst of you. And that happens again in two ways. First, on the end time exodus. And for the exodus to begin, as we read in DNC 101, verse 55, first Joseph Smith gathers out the strength of the Lord's house from among the Latter-day Saints. Uh, begins the new exodus. And the fullness of the gospel is then first taken to the Lamanites. And there's a separation between wheat and tares among the Lamanites. The wheat among the Lamanites joined the end time exodus. The separation of wheat and tares among the Gentiles or among the Latter-day Saints will have already taken place. And the wheat among the Latter-day Saints will be on the end time exodus. And once the wheat among the Lamanites have joined the Exodus. The fullness of the gospel would be taken to the Gentile nation, North America. New Jerusalem will be established. And from the establishment of New Jerusalem, the fullness of the gospel will go forth to the ends of the earth for the marvelous work and wonder and the gathering of Israel in its totality to precede the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 23. Behold, I am he of whom Moses spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Now, <clears throat> there are two individuals that Moses talks about being raised up, who he likens unto Moses. The prophet like unto Moses is Jesus Christ. But the man who is like unto Moses is Joseph Smith. In both his first and second ministries, but primarily his second ministry. Him, the prophet like unto Moses, Jesus Christ, shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. Well, how are we to hear the word of Jesus Christ? Well, it's through his end time servant and through the power and authority of the Holy Ghost until that day that we enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Verse 24. Verily I say unto you, yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have testified of me. And behold, ye are the children of the prophets, and ye are of the house of Israel. Now notice that this is the exact same phrase that the Lord uses in connection to those of the restoration who are gathered out by the return of Joseph. Going back to DNC 103. Verse 15 Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them, like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be let out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. So 
both those who are gathered out among the Latter-day Saints and among the Lamanites and among all the people of the whole earth who are to come to Zion are part of this remnant of Jacob to whom these promises are given. Verily I see unto you that all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after and as many as have spoken have testified of me. And behold, ye are the children of the prophets. Ye are the house of Israel. Ye are the covenant which the father, ye are of the covenant which the father hath made with your fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Notice that that was also in the message of Elias to Joseph in the Kirtland temple when the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham was restored because in the restoration of the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, um, the, the covenants of God as contained in the book of Mormon would be able to go forth to the entire world and prepare those who would receive it um, for this final gathering. Verse 26, the father having raised me up unto you first and sent me to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And this because ye are the children of the covenant. And after that ye were blessed, then fulfilled the father the covenant which he hath made with Abraham saying, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto the pouring out of the Holy Ghost through me upon the Gentiles, which blessing upon the Gentiles shall make them mighty, even above all unto the scattering of my people, O house of Israel. Now this pouring out of the Holy Ghost um, is not the same as the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it is tied up in the concept that the Lord did preserve North America and set it up as a free nation so that the fullness of the gospel could come forth, even though it would be rejected, but that it could come forth a second time. And that the, the nucleus of those people who would go on the exodus and participate in the gathering of the rest of Israel um, might have place. In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto the pouring out of the Holy Ghost through me upon the Gentiles, which blessing upon the Gentiles, and again, this is the Gentile nation, shall make them mighty above all unto the scattering of my people, O house of Israel. And it also <clears throat> needs to be made mention that even though the seed of Joseph uh, would be among the Gentiles, you know, both Ephraim and Manasseh, and that it would be the nucleus and genesis of the restoration. So that great secret combination, which would seek to destroy the entire earth, um, would also be among the Gentiles. Um, 
and that secret combination would participate in the scattering of Israel and in our generation, the attempted destruction of Israel. Verse 28, and they shall be a scourge unto the people of this land. Nevertheless, when they shall have received the fullness of my gospel. So now we're talking about a group among the Gentile nation who received the fullness of the gospel, who received the scripture of the restoration and in the return of Joseph and the opening again of the heavens and the finishing of the restoration the fullness of the gospel would again be taken to the house of Israel. But those among the Gentile people, specifically Latter-day Saints, who will reject the gospel a second time, first time being under Joseph in his first ministry, the second time being under Joseph in his second ministry, but if they shall harden their hearts against me, I will turn their iniquities upon their own heads, saith the Father. And I will remember the covenant which I have made with my people. And that also has extension to the Gentile nation when the fullness of the gospel shall be preached to them if they were those who also reject it. And I have covenanted with them that I would gather them together in mine own due time, that I would give unto them again the land of their fathers for their inheritance, which is the land of Jerusalem, which is the promised land unto them forever, saith the Father. Now, how does this happen? How does the city of old Jerusalem become again a holy city um, to be the counterpart of the new Jerusalem upon the continent of North America? Well, once the city of New Jerusalem is established, there will be men who will have participated on the end time exodus because of the hardships that they will bear in taking the fullness of the gospel to the Gentile nation will have ascended to having the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood both ordained and sealed upon them. And then from New Jerusalem, be sent out to the four corners of the earth, including to the Jews. And among the Jews, two of these men will be those prophets who will testify in the streets of Jerusalem, who will finally be overcome and will lie dead in the streets for three days and be resurrected after three days. Well, there will be more than these two men who will be sent to the Jews to affect the separation of wheat and tares from among the Jews. And the wheat among the Jews, um, these who will be sent from New Jerusalem to them, will assist them in building up old Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, again into a holy city. And the construction of that temple in old Jerusalem, which will have to be there before the second coming of Jesus Christ. They having been taught about millennial temples with the temple that will be in New Jerusalem and about how to affect a separation among wheat and tares and lead an exodus, having just participated in the one in North America. 
verse 30, and it shall come to pass that the time cometh when the fullness of my gospel shall be preached unto them, unto the Jews. And they shall believe in me that I am Jesus Christ, the son of God, and shall pray unto the father in my name. Then shall their watchmen lift up their voice and with the voice together shall sing for they shall see eye to eye. Then will the father gather together again and give unto them Jerusalem for the land of their inheritance. Then shall they break forth into joy, singing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Father hath comforted his people, yet redeemed Jerusalem. The Father hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nations. Now, this is Isaiah imagery, making bare his arm. Uh, this arm made bare is the end time servant as he returns to accomplish the work of the gathering of God's people and establishing both new Jerusalem and old Jerusalem in preparation for the return of Christ in his glory. Verse 33, then will the father gather them together again and give unto them Jerusalem for the land of their inheritance. Then shall they break forth into joy and sing together ye waste places of Jerusalem for the father hath comforted his people and he hath redeemed Jerusalem. And he hath made bare his holy arm, the end time servant. In the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the father. And the father and I are one. So the salvation of the father is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all those who will be gathered um, into the cities of old and new Jerusalem. Having entered into the rest of the Lord. And then shall be brought to pass that which is written. Awake, awake again, and put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Again, we have these concepts that both old Jerusalem and new Jerusalem will be holy cities. To enter into their gates requires ascension into the church of the firstborn. And taking upon us the both orders of Melchizedek priesthood, the first order, the apostolic order, and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and also the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order, which is having that priesthood sealed upon a man qualifies him then to go forth to the four quarters of the earth and finish the work of gathering Israel. Verse 37, shake thyself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. That's because we have come into bondage. And the bondage that we have come to is a result of having, um, in the days of Joseph Smith, and in the days of Moses, rejecting the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and thus not receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Coming out from under these bands around our neck means receiving the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and including the new and everlasting covenant, which means that we are willing not only to say with our mouths, that we offer up unto God 
a sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, but then as we receive the test to see if we are serious, hearkening unto the voice of the spirit and being true and faithful unto the Lord and passing those tests that demonstrate that we offer up unto our God the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit. Verse 38, for thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. Or in other words, because of the rejection of the fullness of the gospel by our people, we came under covenant curse. Um, and we suffer the consequences of a people who are under covenant curse. Um, even if, you know, we would not have rejected the fullness of the gospel had it been offered to us, meaning uh, the offering up of a broken heart and contrite spirit. So we are redeemed without price. So those among a people who are in a deep sleep, there are a few who will awaken from the deep slumber, who receive the fullness of the gospel, and will be gathered out on that end time exodus. Verse 39, verily, verily, I say unto you, that my people shall know my name. Yea, in that day, they shall know that I am he that doth speak. Well, how do his people know his name? Well, his people only know his name as they receive his name. And how do his people receive his name? As his people demonstrate that they're willing to, in fact, offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. They receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, because Christ has pled their case before Father and receive permission from Father to adopt them as sons and as daughters through the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so at that time, Christ actually extends his name to them. And for the first time, they are actually able to take upon them the name of Christ, which is different than covenanting that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. When we actually take upon us the name of Christ, when we become his sons and his daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we come to know his name because it becomes our name. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my people shall know my name. Yea, in that day they shall know that I am he that does speak. And then shall they say how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings unto them, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tithings, tidings unto them of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Now, who is this? Well, going back to DNC 101. Again, verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, go gather together the residue of my servants. So, it includes Joseph Smith Jr. It includes all of those who in DNC 88 um, are called the first labors in the last kingdom, who among that group proved themselves true and faithful and return with Joseph 
and then also all those who have desires to serve God and enter into his work and wear out their lives in declaring the doctrine of Christ and gathering all those who will receive it. And then shall they say, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings unto them that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings unto them of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. And then shall a cry go forth, depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch not that which is unclean. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor by flight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel shall be your rearward. This is talking about those who participate in the end time exodus. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, and he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And we've discussed who the servant is. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred, more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Now, notice the past tense of this description. As many were astonished at thee. But verse 45, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider well you know this this marring of the servant has direct reference to the martyrdom of joseph during his first ministry not only his martyrdom but the the many beatings and tarrings and featherings which culminated in his murder um, he received in his first ministry and in his first ministry, the Lord did not see fit to deliver his servant from this marring. But he returns um, clothed with the power of the priesthood, even able to command the elements in his second ministry. Verily, verily, I see unto you, all these things shall surely come, even as the Father hath commanded me. Then shall this covenant, which the Father hath covenanted with his people, be fulfilled. And then shall Jerusalem be inhabited again with my people, and it shall be the land of their inheritance. Now, to set up for chapter 21, let's cross-reference 1st D&C 90. Verses 3 and 7 through 11. Verily I say unto you, the keys of this kingdom shall never be taken from you, Joseph Smith Jr. While thou art in the world, neither in the world to come. 7 through 11. As also through your administration, the keys of the school of the prophets, which I have commanded to be organized. Now, this is key in understanding the first laborers in the last kingdom who return with Joseph Smith to accomplish this work. 
And the residue of the servants who return mentioned in DNC 101 verse 55 has a direct reference to these men who were with Joseph Smith on June 4th, 1831 at the Isaac Moly farm ordained to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, and who either remained true and faithful, and there were not very many of them, or who sufficiently repented and returned and then awakened and arose in this generation. That through your administration, they may receive the word. And through their administration, the word may go forth unto the ends of the earth. Not during their first ministry, but their second. Unto the Gentiles first, or, you know, first among the Latter-day Saints, then to the Gentile nation, North America. And behold, and lo, they shall turn unto the Jews or unto the rest of the house of Israel after that. And then cometh the day when the arm of the Lord, the end time servant, Joseph Smith imagery, as we've been reading, or Isaiah imagery, as we've been reading, the arm of the Lord shall be revealed in power in convincing the nations, the heathen nations, the house of Joseph <coughs> of the gospel of their salvation. Now it should be noted that in places like JST Genesis 50, um, the first ministry of Joseph Smith is referenced by the bringing forth of the word, and his second ministry is referenced as the convincing them of the word that shall already have gone forth among them. And notice in verse 10, it's talking about the arm of the Lord, the end time servant in his second ministry, now convincing uh, the nations of the word or of the doctrine of Christ. And then cometh the day when the arm of the Lord shall be revealed in power in convincing the nations, the heathen nations, the house of Joseph of the gospel of their salvation. Let's cross-reference JST Genesis 50. Verse 31. Verse 30. And again, a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins. This is a prophecy through Joseph in Egypt. And unto him will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. Joseph Smith during his first ministry. And not to the bringing forth of my word only, saith the Lord, but to the convincing them, Joseph Smith in his second ministry, of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them in the last days because of what happened during his first ministry. Wherefore, wherefore the fruit of thy loins shall write, and the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, and that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and also that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah, shall grow together unto the confounding of false doctrines and laying down of contentions and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the last days and also to the knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. And out of weakness shall he be made strong in that day when my work shall go forth among all my people, which shall restore them who are of the house of Israel in the last days. 
back to DNC 90, verse 11. Verse 10 again. And then cometh the day when the arm of the Lord shall be revealed in power, in convincing the nations, the heathen nations, the house of Joseph, of the gospel of their salvation. For it shall come to pass in that day that every man shall hear the fullness of the gospel in his own tongue and in his own language through those who are ordained unto this power. Again, this power is the power that we read about in JST Genesis 14. The sealing upon them of the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood and will be sent forth to the four corners of the earth, being able to travel very quickly and to speak in the language of the people. By the administration of the comforter, shed forth upon them for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now in DNC 45. Starting in verse 24. And this I have told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. But they shall be gathered again. But they shall remain until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, when is the time of the Gentiles fulfilled? Well, to understand that, we have to understand when the time of the Gentiles is come in. This is also called the time of the fullness of the Gentiles. This has direct um, reference to the return of Joseph Smith before he comes on the scene and the opening again of the heavens and making it possible again to, through offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit and the declaring of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the doctrine of Christ, the knowledge of the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So when Joseph opens the heavens, this is the time of the Gentiles, the fullness of the time of the Gentiles. It's fulfilled at the separation of the wheat and tares among the Latter-day Saints where the wheat is led out on the end time exodus and the bands of the tares made strong for the fire. That is the time that the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And as a reference, DNC 101, Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, this people that's being referenced are the Latter-day Saints. And this gathering begins when Joseph returns and opens again the heavens. That the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory. When I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be. Now, 
What does this mean to be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come to reward every man as his work shall be? Well, when one enters into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, or to enter into the rest of the Lord and is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise who is Christ, which is to have one's calling election made sure, then one becomes a member of the church of the firstborn. And this is what is being referenced. Verse 66, while the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. So back in DNC 45. That the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars. And the whole earth shall be in commotion. And men's hearts shall fail them. And they shall say that Christ delayeth his coming until the end of the earth. And the love of men shall wax cold. And iniquity shall abound. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in during Joseph Smith's second ministry and opening again of the heavens, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. So this is the teaching of the doctrine of Christ in power and authority to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints before the final separation of the wheat and the tares among them. Verse 29, but they receive it not, or the majority of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> and in actuality, this includes all of the members of the Restoration branches, all of those who have access to the fullness of the gospel through the Book of Mormon. The majority will not accept it even though it shall be taught to them by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And in that generation shall the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So in the same generation in which Joseph Smith returns and opens the heavens, and it becomes possible again, to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the light that shall break forth among us. In that generation, the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled, or the end-time servant will also begin leading the end-time exodus. And those who will not receive the fullness, which we have just learned, is the majority of the members, they don't make it. And verse 31 gives us a key to understanding what happens to the tares among the Latter-day Saints. And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not, that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. And may I submit that this desolating scourge and sickness that will cover the land is directly related to the COVID-19 vaccine and all of that associated with it and that which will come after it. But my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. 
Or in other words, God's people will hear the voice of the Spirit warning them against uh, this desolating and overflowing scourge which is coming. And, but it's not enough, not just to not get the vaccine. One must also enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and become sanctified through the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is what allows one to stand in a holy place if one continues to feast upon the words of Christ. And shall not be moved, but among the wicked men shall lift up their voices and curse God and die. And there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places and many desolations. Yet men will harden their hearts against me and they will take up the sword one against another and they will kill one another. And now when I, the Lord, had spoken these words unto my disciples, they were troubled. And I said unto them, be not troubled. For when all these things shall come to pass, you shall know that the promises which have been made unto you shall all be fulfilled. And when the light shall begin to break forth, it shall be with them like unto a parable which I will show unto you. So this light breaking forth is the opening again of the heavens by the Lord's end time servant. Ye look and behold the fig trees. And ye see them with your eyes, and ye say, when they begin to shoot forth, and their leaves are yet tender, that summer is now nigh at hand. Even so it shall be in the day when they shall see all these things, then shall they know that the hour is nigh. Well, a sign that is being given that is likened unto the fig tree bringing forth tender leaves is the declaration again of the fullness of the gospel, of the new covenant, of a broken heart and contrite spirit, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, entering into the rest of the Lord, the return of the Lord's end-time servants, the end-time exodus, establishing New Jerusalem, and the gathering of Israel from the four quarters of the earth in preparation for Christ coming in his glory. These are the young leaves on the fig trees. Even so it shall be in that day when they shall see all these things. Then shall they know that the hour is nigh. And it shall come to pass that he that feareth me shall be looking forth for the great day of the Lord to come, even for the signs of the coming of the Son of Man. And they shall see signs and wonders, for they shall be shown forth in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. And they shall behold blood and fire and vapors of smoke. And may I suggest that this blood and fire and vapors of smoke, which are part of the signs, goes back to... Verse 32, verse 31, and there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. 
But among the wicked, men shall lift up their voices, curse God, and die. And there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places and many desolations, that men will harden their hearts against me. And they will take up the sword one against another, and they will kill one another. And that these are also um, signs to the people that the, the, these days have come. And when we combine these signs of the desolating scourge, of the earthquakes, of the taking up of the sword one man against another, and the coming forth of the light of the gospel, the declaring again of the doctrine of Christ, and the ability to again receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord, that these are the signs that are being spoken of. And before the day of the Lord shall come, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon turned into blood, and the stars fall from heaven. And the remnant shall be gathered unto this place. Okay. In 3 Nephi 20, and in the subsequent chapters of 3 Nephi 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, and 29, are all about the gathering of this remnant, starting with the remnant among the Latter-day Saints, then among the descendants of Lehi, and finally, the Gentile nation in North America, the establishment of New Jerusalem, and from there to the four corners of the earth. And the remnant shall be gathered unto this place. And then they shall look for me, and behold, I will come. And they shall see me in the clouds of heaven, clothed with power and great glory, with all the holy angels, and he that watches not for me shall be cut off. But before the arm of the Lord shall fall, an angel shall sound his trump, and the saints that have slept shall come forth to meet me in the cloud. Now, who are these saints that have slept that shall come forth to meet him in the cloud? Well, these are those who are referred to in DNC 76 as the spirits of just men made perfect. Uh, verse 69 in DNC 76. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Now, what is required to become one of these just men made perfect? Well, the outline begins in verse uh, 50, or those who are to come forth in the morning of the first resurrection. Verse 51, baptized by water into the fullness of the gospel by the Melchizedek priesthood. Verse 52, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verses 53 and 54, entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, this is the second comforter experience, an ascension experience like Moses describes in Moses 1 and Nephi in 1 Nephi 11. Becoming members of the church of the firstborn. And then verses 56 through 58 for men having the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, being both ordained and sealed to this power. And for women also, you know, having entered into the rest of the Lord, um, receiving the matriarchal order and subsequently having that sealed upon them. Wherefore, as it is written in verse 58, they are God's, even the sons of God. 
and verse 64. These are they who shall have part in the first resurrection. They are they who shall come forth in the resurrection of the just. These are they who are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly place, the holiest of all. These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of Enoch and of the firstborn. These are they whose names are written in heaven where God and Christ are the judge of all. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. So those who are caught up into heaven um, receive the ordinance of translation at a very high level and come down with Christ in his glory. Um, both those who have died, but ascend, have ascended to this level, and those who uh, are yet alive and have ascended to this level. And going back to DNC 45. Verse 45, but before the arm of the Lord shall fall, an angel shall sound his trump, or before Christ shall come in the fullness of his glory. That's what the falling of the Lord's arm has reference to. And the saints that have slept shall come forth to meet me in the cloud, or the spirits of just men made perfect. Wherefore, if you have slept in peace, blessed are you, for as you now behold me, and know that I am, even so shall ye come unto me, and your souls shall live, and redemption shall be perfected, and the saints shall come forth from the four quarters of the earth. Or, in addition to those who have died who have ascended this level, so shall all of those who live um, and have ascended this level be caught up. Then shall the arm of the Lord fall upon the nations, and then shall the Lord set his foot upon this mount, and it shall cleave in twain, and the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro, and the heavens also shall shake, and the Lord shall utter his voice, and all the ends of the earth shall hear it, and the nations of the earth shall mourn, and they that have laughed shall see their folly, and the calamity shall cover the mocker, and the scorner shall be consumed. And they that have watched for iniquity shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. And then shall the Jews look upon me and say, What are these wounds in thine hands and in thy feet? And then shall they know that I am the Lord. For I will say unto them, These wounds are the wounds with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I am he who is lifted up. I am Jesus that was crucified. I am the Son of God. And then shall they weep because of their iniquities. Then shall they lament because they persecuted their king. And then shall the heathen nations be redeemed. And they that knew no law shall have part in the first resurrection. And it shall be tolerable for them. And Satan shall be bound that he shall have no place in the hearts of the children of men. And at that day, 
when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled, which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily, verily, I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. So what is it that separates the wise from the ten virgins? It's not being good because that is what separates the virgins from the harlots. To be a foolish virgin, you have to be good. And remember that even the foolish virgins were diligently seeking Christ. They had come to the wedding feast fully expecting to be admitted, but they were coming unto Christ on their own terms. In essence, they were offering up a sacrifice unto the Lord, as did Cain, of their own thoughts, of their own desires, rejecting the clear instruction of the Lord about how he would have us come unto him, about how he would have us become uh, wise virgins, that we might be admitted to the wedding feast. It's those who have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide. Therefore, those are the ones who find the truth and are not deceived. And this has everything to do with entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And from that moment forth, hearkening unto the voice of the spirit, which eventually leads a man and woman to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. But if a man or woman um, has entered into this covenant and is hearkening unto the voice of the spirit, um, then they qualify as the strength of the Lord's house. And will eventually receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord and qualify to be admitted into the wedding feast. And the earth shall be given, verse 58, unto them as an inheritance, and they shall multiply and wax strong, and their children shall grow up without sin unto salvation. This is during the millennium for the Lord shall be in their midst and his glory shall be upon them and he will be their king and their lawgiver. And now behold, I see unto you, it shall not be given unto you to know any further concerning this chapter until the new Testament be translated and in it, all these things shall be made known. Now, while Joseph Smith started the translation of the new Testament in his first ministry, he did not complete it. So what we currently have is Joseph Smith's translation of the New Testament is just the bare beginnings of Joseph Smith's translation of the New Testament. But he will bring the full translation of the New Testament with him at his return. And this prophecy has to do with his return or the time of his return. Now verse 63. Ye hear of wars in foreign lands. But behold, I say unto you, they are nigh, even at your doors. And not many years hence, you shall hear of wars in your own lands. So we certainly hear of wars in foreign lands, but they're coming to our own borders and shores. Wherefore I, the Lord, have said, gather ye out from the eastern lands, assemble ye yourselves together, ye elders of my church. Go ye forth into the western countries, call upon the inhabitants to repent, and inasmuch as they do repent, build up churches unto me. So this is, you know, the work that takes place 
before uh, the start of the end time exodus. Those who have desires to serve God are called to the work. The heavens are now opened. Once you have been awakened, go and awaken your neighbors. And notice, inasmuch as they do repent, build up churches unto me, or groups of people who have received baptism by water and are seeking after baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 65, and with one heart and with one mind, gather up your riches that ye may purchase an inheritance which shall hereafter be appointed unto you. Now, this does not have reference to physical money. This has reference to your time, your talent, your efforts, your work, being focused upon the new and everlasting covenant. Entering into it, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord. That you might be qualified to go on the Exodus and enter into New Jerusalem. Verse 66. And it shall be called New Jerusalem. Or the inheritance which shall be appointed unto you. Which ye have bought not with your physical money but with your time and effort and labor and battle and struggle and diligence unto God. And it shall be called the new Jerusalem, a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the most high God. And the glory of the Lord shall be there. And the terror of the Lord shall be there also in so much that the wicked will not come unto it. And it shall be called Zion. So, New Jerusalem is clearly established before Christ comes in his glory. And it shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take up his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety. And there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven. And it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another. Now, it's important to understand that that will be the situation when New Jerusalem is established. Um, before it's established, um, you know, warfare will be wrought upon the entire earth. Verse 70, and it shall be said among the wicked, let us not go up to battle against Zion. For the inhabitants of Zion are terrible, wherefore we cannot stand. And it shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations and shall come to Zion singing the songs of everlasting joy. So just as Joseph will lead an end time exodus of the strength of the Lord's house and uh, will also gather out um, all the people who will receive it from the Gentile nation, um, so shall men be sent out from New Jerusalem to every nation to finish the gathering out of Israel from among all nations to Zion. Now, third Nephi chapter 21. And verily I say unto you, I give unto you a sign that ye may know the time when these things shall be about to take place. Remember what we just read in 
DNC 45. That I shall gather in from their long dispersion, my people, O house of Israel. So this is the establishment of New Jerusalem. And from there, the gathering out of Israel. And shall establish again among them my Zion. And behold, this is the thing which I shall give unto you for a sign. For verily I say unto you that when these things which I declare unto you, and which I shall declare unto you hereafter of myself, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, which shall be given unto you of the Father, shall be made known unto the Gentiles, that they may know concerning this people who are a remnant of the house of Jacob, and concerning this my people who shall be scattered by them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when these things shall be made known unto them of the Father, and shall come forth of the Father from them unto you. Well, when do these things come forth from the Gentiles unto the seed of Lehi at the commencement of the Exodus? For it is wisdom in the Father that they should be established in this land, the Gentiles, and be set up as a free people by the power of the Father, that these things might come forth from them unto a remnant of your seed, that the covenant of the Father may be fulfilled, which he hath covenanted with his people, O house of Israel. Therefore, when these works and the works which shall be wrought among you hereafter shall come forth from the Gentiles unto your seed, which shall dwindle in unbelief because of iniquity. For thus it behooveth the Father that it should come forth from the Gentiles, that ye may show forth his power unto the Gentiles for this cause, that the Gentiles, if they will not harden their hearts, okay, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that they may repent and come unto me. So the reason that the Zion must be redeemed is because it fell. It gets redeemed because the members of that which is to be Zion, the members of the church repent and return or awaken to their awful situation and offer up as a sacrifice the broken heart and contrite spirit. That they may repent and come unto me and be baptized in my name and know of the true points of my doctrine, that they may be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. So, this is the requirement for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to be numbered among the House of Israel. And it's offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, repenting, coming unto Christ and being baptized in his name, both of water and of fire and of the Holy Ghost, but this water baptism by the Melchizedek priesthood. And when these things shall come to pass, that thy seed shall begin to know of these things, it shall be a sign unto them that they may know that the work of the Father hath already commenced unto the fulfilling of the covenant which he hath made unto the people who are of the house of Israel. And when that day shall come, it shall come to pass that kings shall shut their mouths, and that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard they shall consider. For in that day, for my sake, shall the Father work a work, which shall be a great and a marvelous work among them. Joseph Smith coming forth and beginning the end time exodus, opening in the heavens and gathering Israel in his second ministry. And there shall be among them those who will not believe it, the majority of the members of the church, 
and the Gentile nation. Although a man shall declare it unto them. And behold, the life of my servant shall be in my hand, therefore they shall not hurt him. Although he shall be marred because of them, yet I will heal him. For I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Therefore, it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him to bring forth unto the Gentiles. So, this has reference to the last chapter. Um, those who will not hear this prophet, this prophet being Jesus Christ, but the words of this prophet being brought forth through this man who is like unto Moses, being Joseph Smith Jr. in his second ministry. Therefore, it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him, the end time servant, to bring forth unto the Gentiles, to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then the rest of the Gentile nation, and shall give unto him power that he shall bring them forth unto the Gentiles. It shall be done even as Moses said. They shall be cut off from among my people who are of the covenant, i.e. the separation of wheat and tares among the Latter-day Saints. Most of them will find themselves sadly as tares. And my people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles. Yea, in the midst of them as a lion among the beasts of the forest. So we have the expansion of the theme um, of 3 Nephi 20, that you know, the Lamanites are among this remnant. And as we cross-referenced in Micah, that this also have, has reference to the remnant of God's people among all of Israel who will be gathered out. And here we have the expansion to include both the remnant of Jacob among the Lamanites and also among the Gentiles. And remember, the Gentiles first must take the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites. Yea, my people who are remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, yea, in the midst of them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of the sheep, who if he goeth through both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Their hand shall be lifted up upon their adversaries, and all their enemies shall be cut off. Now, this is before, um, you know, the establishment of New Jerusalem. Yea, woe be unto the Gentiles, except they repent. For it shall come to pass that in that day, saith the Father, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots, and I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all the strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of the land, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. And thy graven images shall also cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee. And thou shalt no more worship the works of thy hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee. So will I destroy thy cities. And it shall come to pass that all lines and deceivings and endings and strifes and priestcrafts and whoredoms shall be done away. Now, I'll cross-reference 3 Nephi 16.10. Remember that list of sins and abominations that that is the exact list that Christ gave to the Nephites about the Latter-day Saints under Joseph Smith 
which was the cause of taking the fullness of the gospel from them during Joseph Smith's first ministry. 3 Nephi 16.10 And thus commanded the Father that I should say unto you, at that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations, and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and of deceits, and of mischiefs, and all manner of hypocrisies, and murders, and priestcrafts, and whoredoms, and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all those things, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. So this has direct reference to the saints under Joseph Smith. For they were the only people who received the fullness of the gospel and rejected it. And so it was taken from among them and they were demoted to the preparatory gospel, which is why Zion must be redeemed. So back in 3 Nephi 21. Verse 19, and it shall come to pass that all lyings and deceivings and envies and strifes and priestcrafts and whoredoms shall be done away. For it shall come to pass, saith the Father, that at that day, whosoever will not repent and come unto my beloved son, them will I cut off from among my people, O house of Israel. This is the accepting of the doctrine of Christ and entering into the new and everlasting covenant. And I will execute vengeance and fury upon them, even as upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. But if they will repent and hearken unto my words and harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them and they shall come in unto the covenant and be numbered among this remnant of Jacob unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. So talking about the Latter-day Saints, and this is in direct parallel again to 3 Nephi 16 verse 13, which says, but if the Gentiles or members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Well, how the members of the church of Jesus Christ are to repent and return um, when one studies these phrases and these concepts throughout the Book of Mormon, it is entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, seeking after and receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the exact same principle is being established again in 3 Nephi 21, verse 22. But if they will repent, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we know how, it's through, the, it's through a broken heart and contrite spirit. And hearken unto my words, and harden not their hearts, broken heart, contrite spirit. I will establish my church among them um, during the return of Joseph Smith and they shall come in unto the covenant and be numbered among this, the remnant of Jacob. So how do we come into that covenant? We receive baptism by water, by the Melchizedek priesthood and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. And they shall assist my people, the remnant of Jacob and also as many of the house of Israel as shall come that they may build a city which shall be called New Jerusalem. So, of the children of Joseph of Egypt, we have Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim has the primary responsibility. It is the remnant who repents and returns among the Gentiles to do the spiritual gathering. And for Manasseh, 
the remnant of Lehi's people to do the physical construction. Although Manasseh will assist Ephraim in the spiritual gathering and Ephraim assist Manasseh in the physical construction, which will need to take place at New Jerusalem. But to engage in any work in New Jerusalem requires that one ascend to having the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon him. Um, no, I meant entering into the church of the firstborn to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Um, that is the requirement to enter into New Jerusalem, either among the Gentiles or Ephraimites or among the Lamanites or Manassehites. And then shall they assist my people that they may be gathered in who are scattered upon all the face of the land in unto New Jerusalem. And then shall the power of heaven come down among them, and I also will be in the midst. And then shall the work of the Father commence at that day, even when this gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. Verily I say unto you, at that day shall the work of the Father commence among all the dispersed of my people, yea, even the tribes which have been lost, which the Father hath led away out of Jerusalem. Yea, the work shall commence among all the dispersed of my people, with the Father to prepare the way whereby they may come unto me, that they may call on the Father in my name. Yea, and then shall the work commence with the Father among all nations in preparing the way whereby this people may be gathered home to the land of their inheritance. And they shall go out from all nations, and they shall not go out in haste, nor by flight, for I will go before them, saith the Father, and I will be their rearward. Again, a talking about the end time exodus. And we will conclude at the end of 3 Nephi chapter 21, and we will pick up next Monday in 3 Nephi chapter 22, which relies heavily upon Isaiah chapter 54.